started this series, we're about to, we're done with it this week, where we're, we're talking about this reluctant missionary named Jonah. And, and what we've discovered along the way has been very eye-opening. I know it has been for me. I hope it is for you. And I wrote this series about 18 months ago. Uh, some of you guys know, I, every May, I get along with God, and then I, I write what it is we're going to be doing next year. The, the Spirit leads me as He will. And uh, here we are on this day. And, and there's some things that I thought would happen in conjunction with the for Christ. The Lord has really, um, really been so faithful to me during this season and has spoken to me. And part of what we're going to look at today, I, I pray it speaks to you as deeply as it has to me over the past few weeks. And, and and especially this week, because what we're talking about is something everybody goes through, and that is disappointments. Everybody goes through faith, faith disappointments. And, and we're all disappointed for different reasons. You know, sometimes it's we're disappointed with people. Uh, sometimes we're disappointed with circumstances. Maybe our job didn't go right. Marriage didn't go, something didn't go right, you know, the way we thought it would. It's tough, though, when you're disappointed with yourself. That's, that's a hard one. But maybe the toughest of, of all is when you're disappointed with God. And, and in those moments, you got to really dig down and deal with what you believe and, and how it is you're living and what it is you're, you're choosing to do. Uh, disappointments come when our expectations aren't met. And there are some people when faced with disappointments just decide, okay, I'm not going to have any more expectations. It's too hard. I, I don't want to, I'm just going to check out. I'm just going to drink something, take something, create a virtual reality, and I'm going to stop expecting things for me and other people, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to put on my Christian smile. I'm going to say, how you doing? I'm fine. And I want to sing it as well with my soul because I love that song. It's so pretty. I don't want to do that. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to get back to reality. And I'm going to be mad. And I'm going to be anxious. And I'm going to live in fear. That's not the way the Lord wants us to live. God is calling us to trust and obey Him. Even when we're disappointed. Maybe in that disappointment, He's allowed it for a reason we're going to see today. And Jonah was disappointed with God. What Jonah did not want to see come to be occurred. We're all going to face times of disappointment. Now, how we respond will determine whether or not we live with hope or not. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to the book of Jonah. Let's go to Jonah chapter 4. Savannah's going to come and read for us the first five verses of uh, this last chapter. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Uh, Jonah is now experiencing his disappointment. He's expressing it. And uh, he's getting down to what's really going on in his heart. Read that for us, if you would. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would be seated, let's study the word of God. So Jonah was disappointed with God, and he did not deal with God rightly. Friends, disappointments do things for our soul that few things can. Disappointments are like pain. They get our attention. In this book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis says, what is true, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. 
God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. Disappointments shout because they hurt. Everyone feels the pain of disappointments. What we do with that pain is very important. Understand, God calls to us with it. If you are feeling disappointment, if you are feeling pain, God is calling to you with it as a megaphone, calling your attention. Please also understand, God loves and cares for you in it. I want to encourage you to avoid a, a mistake many make. This is it. Uh, many make the mistake, as you would put that up for me, do we have it? Yeah, too often we mistake God's intentions for us because, here's what, we look at Him from the perspective of our circumstances rather than looking at our circumstances from the, from the perspective of Him. See, what a lot of people do is they say, I'm in this situation, you must be this kind of God. I hate you, I don't trust you, I don't love you, I can't stand you. How can a good God let me be here? I define you, God, by what's happening to me. That's a mistake. Scripture says, look at your life from the perspective of who God is, a loving, powerful, gracious, merciful God. Look at your disappointments from the perspective of the fact that God loves you. He has a plan for you. He is working it out. Don't look at your circumstances and define God. Define and know God, and, and then look at your circumstances and define them by His goodness. That takes faith. When we go through disappointments, we need to allow them to do something to us. So I want you to picture disappointments and pain as the hand of God pressing you and forming you into the image of Christ. And again, your disappointments and pain will do this far better than almost anything else for your soul. So when you go through these disappointments, you're going to. When you deal with this kind of pain, let it press you. And here's how you can know that you are allowing it to press you rightly. Let me give you a bit of a litmus test, if you will, according to the Word of God. The first thing is this. Faith disappointments press us to get real about our God. It's what they do. And you can know that you're leaning into God and you're dealing with it rightly if you're allowing this disappointment, this pain, to help you get real about God. I appreciate Jonah's honesty, at least. Look what it says here in verse 1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed. And he calls out, oh, Lord, this covenant name for God. And he says, this is why I've been running for you. I know what you're like, and, and, and I don't get you. I don't get you, God. Have you ever had that prayer? I don't get you, God. I don't agree with this. I don't like this. What are you doing? Jonah had an understanding of God's Word. And he felt and believed that God was not keeping His Word. See, he, he had gotten the Bible, and he knew the Bible. And so he was holding on to a promise, and what he was basically saying is, God, based on this, how can you do that? If you're going to do that, then I can't, I can't go with you. See, here's what he was counting on. This is Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. This is God speaking to Abraham. And him who disowns you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here's what Jonah's thinking. God, the Assyrians have cursed your people. How can you bless them? 
You promise that all the blessings of the nations, that they will come to the nations, will come through us. And if you're going to bless these people, then you can't be the God that I'm going to believe in and trust in because this goes contrary to your word. Guys, be very careful how you use Scripture. Don't do what the devil did. Remember what the devil did with Jesus after his baptism when he went to the desert? He used the Bible to say what he wanted it to say to create confusion. He had an agenda that he brought to the Bible. Rather than allowing the Bible simply to speak, he decided he wanted to make the Bible say what he wanted it to say. And when we do that, we, we get confused. And we lie to ourselves, and sometimes we lie to other people. Jonah was all mixed up because he could not understand how this God that he had worshipped could allow this travesty to happen and the Assyrians turn around and, and, and be blessed. You know, Peter had a very similar problem with God too. He could not understand what Jesus was doing. You remember this in Mark chapter 8 verse 31? And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. Jesus didn't beat around the bush here. He said, guys, this is what's about to happen. And what's Peter's response? And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. No, you're not. No, 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 no. I gave up my business to follow you. I gave up my family to follow you. I've given up everything. No, you are not going to Israel and die. You are going to be the Messiah I decided you were supposed to be, so I can be the vice president of everything. It wasn't working out the way Peter thought it should. He was very disappointed, just like Jonah. And they're asking the, the, the age-old theological question. How can God be good and bad things happen? How can God be good and I hurt? How can God allow this? Here's what we have to understand. We have to understand who God is. And see, when you go through disappointments and these pain, these, this who God is begins to press upon you. And here's what you know. You come to know what Jonah knew. Look in verse 2. Who is God? Jonah knew. He said, For I knew that you are gracious, you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. I'm not going to be able to give you all the theological points and give you the full picture of, of how God can be good and, and the world be broken. You'll keep coming for the next few weeks and months. You'll figure that out because we, we deal honestly with life here and what the Word of God says. And, and you'll, you'll discover it. You'll find yourself believing and getting a, a Christian worldview. But here's what we need to understand about God and what, what Jonah knew. I mean, it's right here, guys. Four things. Don't miss it. God is gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. Jonah knew that. Why? Because when he was in the great fish, look in chapter 2, real quick, just I'm going to go quick. And so just Jonah 2, he's, he's telling God in that prayer, he, you've been gracious to me. I should be dead. But you, you've given me life. And, and he knew that he was gracious. He also knew he was merciful. He doesn't give what we deserve. Jonah knew that. Look in chapter 3 at the very first part. And so God called him a second time. Why did he get a second chance? Because God is merciful. God is abounding in steadfast love. He loves us no matter what. And Jonah knew that. Look in chapter 1. When he was running away from God and going down, 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 God lovingly sent a storm. God lovingly pursued him because he continued to love him. Jonah knew that. Jonah knew that he relents from disaster. He cares for us in our troubles. He experienced that. Chapter 3, the end of that, we looked at that last week. He went a full day's journey into Nineveh. 
and he preached. And you know what? He wasn't killed by those very violent people. God cared for him. God protected him. God sustained him. You gotta understand it. Jonah did what Peter did, but not what the psalmist did. Let's do what the psalmist did. If you're in a moment of disappointment, this may this may be the reason you're here today. Please understand, you are going to face disappointments, and you're probably going to need this. So you might want to write down Psalm 31, Psalm 31, verse 14. What did the psalmist do? He said, "But I trust in you, O Lord." I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servants. Save me in your steadfast love. I trust you. One of the most challenging things you will ever do is in the moment of your darkest day is to say, God, I don't get it, but I trust you. I know you are a gracious and merciful God is steadfast in love and who cares for me. That will save you. That got me through several dark nights. And that's what this, that's what disappointments do. It teaches you this truth. It teaches you the reality of who God is. The second thing is faith disappointments press us is to get real about our identity. Who we are. Who we believe we are. You're always going to live out of a sense of who you are. And so here is Jonah. Oh, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. See, Jonah's identity was tied up in Israel's success. He loved this country more than he loved God. And let's face it, Jonah was in trouble. He was in a tough spot. He couldn't go back to Israel. Think about this for a moment. He couldn't go back to Israel. He committed treason. How's he going to go back to Israel? And they're going to say, hey, Jonah, where you been? What you been doing? Preaching to the Ninevites. They're saved. That's treason. They would said, okay, let's kill Jonah. He's with them. He's, he's, he's against us because he's with them. He couldn't go into Nineveh because he hated them. He's not going to go in and go, yay, you're all saved. I hate every one of you. Can't do that. So what's he doing? He's up on a hill hoping to die. If you determine that your life is supposed to be a certain way and it doesn't happen, you're going to either have to trust God or you're going to want a major change. And you're going to, you're going to want to just step out. I can't tell how many people I've talked to that said, hey, this marriage isn't going the way I want it to, I'm out. This family isn't going the way I want it, I'm out. I'm done with these kids. I'm done with my parents. I'm done with this whatever. I'm done with this job. I'm done. Rather than saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this. It's like, I'm done. And if I'm not done, I, I just soon be dead. I love God's question. How's that going for you, Jonah? The person who can trust and turn to God and say, no matter what, I'm yours. That's the person who can have real hope. Please understand, you got you got you got to make a choice. You got to choose to either trust God or trust in yourself or something else or someone else. You don't have an option. You are made to rely on trust in something that gives you hope. So either that's going to be God or it's going to be something something created, you or someone or something else. What God is wanting to say to you, what God does say to us is, look, I have this. I have you. I know you're disappointed. I'm doing something here. Do I not have the authority as God to shape you? 
knowing what I know and that I love you. It's not the first time God said this. As a matter of fact, you know, Jeremiah's ministry, Jeremiah 18.6, O house of Israel, this is God speaking, can I not do with you as the potter has done, declares the Lord, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Do I not have the right to form you into what I've chosen for you and died for you to be? Now, many of them in this room say, no. No, God, you don't. You have the right to form me into whatever I want to be. As long as I like it and I'm happy, you can do whatever you want. But if you're not going to give me what I want, I'm done with you. And that's what Israel said in, 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 in Jeremiah 18. But they say, that is in vain. We will follow our own plans. And will and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his own heart? That's where some of you are today. That's where I find myself sometimes. Basically saying, God, no. 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 And in that moment, you need to understand what you're doing. You're saying, God, I will not trust you. I'm going to trust me. I'm smarter than you, God. I'm better than you, God. I know more than you, God. That's what you're saying. Now, you may not say that out loud because, you know, you know how foolish that's up. But what you're going to convince yourself is, yeah, God's wrong, I'm right. That's what Israel said. So, you know, the wise people can look back and look at generations and generations and generations of saints who prayed Psalm 22. And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. If you will trust and obey God, He will rescue you. Your life may not be what you plan for it to be, but it will be what God planned to be and God better than you. And His plan is better. He has a way to redeem and to rescue. And, and if you'll let him, he will press you. Take disappointments, they press us. The last thing it does is to, is to get real about our desires. Jonah's desires were jacked up. This guy's priorities were sick. And so are ours. Let's don't judge him, okay? Let's look at what he was doing, though. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there and he sat under in the middle of the, in, in the shade till he, he should see what would happen and become the city. Now, the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah so that it might be shade over his head to save him from the, his discomfort. What does Jonah care about? His comfort. And so God's giving something for his discomfort. So Jonah was, look at this, exceedingly glad. I thought he was exceedingly mad. Well, now he's not. Why? Because he's getting what he wants. It says a lot about you, but you can only be happy and satisfied with God when you're getting what you want. There's a word for that we use for small children when they'll only be happy when they get what they want and they never have all that they want. I'm not calling you that. I'm just saying that there's that. Yeah, that one. He said it. Y'all can deal with him after church. We'll, we'll post his email on the Facebook page later. But what happened in verse 7? But when dawn, the sun came up, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. When the sun arose, God appointed a scorching east wind that the sun beat down on his head and Jonah, so that Jonah was faint and he asked that he might die again. Is it, it is better for me to die than live. And I love God's question in verse 9. How's that going for you, Jonah? 
Does it go well with you to be angry? Yes, it is, as a matter of fact. Angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor could you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city? in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. Jonah cared far more about his comfort than he did 120,000 lost souls and the economic development of his entire nation. He basically said, I don't care what happens to those people as long as I am comfortable and what I care about goes the way I want it to. Now, that is pretty honest talk, don't you think? Most of us would never be that honest. Most of us would allow ourselves to be deceived and say, no, 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 I love God, I trust God, I'm with God. Mostly. Jonah is being very real. It's very helpful. It's helpful to see this. It's helpful to really see what's going on. And I pray that you're kind of getting a sense of what's going on in your own heart. You know, one of the things I love about the gift for Christ is every single year, we got to do a gut check. And we have to ask a real simple question. Do we care more about the billions that don't know Jesus or our own comfort? Am I willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ so that others can go or that maybe even I would go? Or would I rather have... You're going to spend that dollar this, this Christmas. I know you are. I will too. What gift are you going to give? This is, a, this is a heart check. This is a gut check. This is helpful. So here's the deal. Either we're going to trust and pursue God's desires, or we're going to trust ourselves. Let's do what Joshua did. Joshua 24 is one of my favorites. You need to have this somewhere in your house. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a freedom in that. No matter what comes, we will serve the Lord. Go, uh, go find the section in Job where Job says, Though he slay me, yet I will praise him still. Go find the prophet Habakkuk and read chapter 4 and look what he says about, If the harvest doesn't come, look what he will do still. Yet I will praise the Lord. Go and look at Second Corinthians 12 and look at what Paul said, what Jesus said to him, and whether or not you believe this or not. Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength will be revealed in your weakness. Either you believe that or you don't. Either you will or you won't. Now, many of you have been messing with me throughout this series saying that, that you could not wait to get to chapter 4 and finish a sermon series with a story that doesn't finish. Have you noticed that there's no ending here? It ends with a question. So what happened? Did Jonah go back to Israel and get arrested? Did he go into Nineveh and say, all right, or did he just sit on the hill and die? There's another story in the Bible that we don't get the ending to. Hold your finger in Jonah 4 and go to, with me to Luke 15. Find a story that Jesus told, and it so parallels Jonah. And it kind of clues us into what the book of Jonah is really about. So I'm telling you to look and write at the same time, but. Bear with me. Faith disappointments press us to, to get real about our God, to get real about our identity, to get real about our desires, because in the midst of faith disappointments, we are tempted to do one of two things, to either run from or ridicule God. Jonah did both. 
So hopefully you're in Luke chapter 15, and beginning in verse 11, you see a very familiar story, the story of the prodigal son. Let's not forget there's two sons. The first one says to his dad, Dad, I wish you were dead. I don't like you. I don't agree with what you're doing. Give me my inheritance. I'm going to run off, and I'm going to go do what I want, which is exactly what Jonah did with God. Done with you, God. I'm out of here. No way I'm fulfilling this family business. I'm gone. He ran away. Thank God was gracious to call him back as he did the, 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 the younger brother. But then there's an older brother in the story of Luke 11, right? And what does the older brother do? Well, he rebukes his dad. He says, I can't believe you're going to let this sorry, good-for-nothing kid who basically dishonored you, embarrassed our entire family, and has caused us more harm. You're going to let him be back here. You're going to be gracious and merciful to him. Are you kidding me? What's he doing? He's rebuking his dad. And that's exactly what Jonah was doing with God. God, what are you doing loving people like this? What's going on? God is being who he is. Who is God? Flip back to chapter 4, verse 2. He is a gracious, merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. All right. How does the story end? We don't know. So that should tell you story is not the point. Our response is. So, what's your response? Are you going to trust God? Are you going to run off? Or are you going to rebuke? So what does it mean to trust God? I know this is crazy, but it's good news. What it means to trust God is to say, Lord, you're Lord. And I'm not going to trust in me, and I'm not going to trust in any created thing. I repent of that. I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to create more brokenness. I'm not going to cause more sin by dishonoring you. I'm not going to run from you. I'm not going to rebuke you. I'm going to trust you. When we talk about three circles, we're talking about the fact the world is not as it should be, and sin has created this brokenness. And here's what God's saying. Don't make it worse by running from me. Don't make it worse by trying to rebuke me. Here's what God says. Trust me. Repent of trusting in yourself and other created things, being defined by your job or your health or any other circumstance. Instead, say, you know what, God? No matter what, I'm with you. I repent of, of, of my plans. I repent of my control. Because Jesus Christ has come to die for my sins, to forgive me and buy it me at such a great price. I'm going to trust that you love me, and I'm going to recover and pursue your design. And I'm going to let you form me into the person you died for me to be. Friends, that's where life is found. That's where hope is found. If you will not turn to Jesus and trust him, you have no hope. Understand, you're trusting something. And if it's not Jesus, it's broken, it's dirty, and sooner or later it will die. You have an eternal soul. You need someone who is perfect and holy and who does not change and does not die. You need someone who is gracious and merciful and steadfast love who will, who will 
care for you and heal you and lead you and form you into what you were made to be. Now, the only way you can have that is by faith. And what I want to encourage you to do today is what I've been doing all week is getting on my knees and saying, God, I trust you. Forgive me for trusting in anything else. I'm with you. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord God, we don't know how the story ends, but we now need to look at our own story and we need to figure out how we want it to end. And for it to end well, Lord, we need to, to acknowledge that we need you, that we need your grace and your mercy and your love and your care. Lord, we're going to face disappointments. It's only because we don't fully understand what you know that your plan is perfect. So, Lord, would you allow us right now just to come get on our knees and say, Lord, I don't understand. That's okay. I trust you. Lord, I, I blew it, but I know you love me, and, and I can trust you. I can turn to you, and you can work it for good. God, I pray for those who right now just want to turn their lives over to you. Trust you. Save them, Lord. Give them new life. For those who are yours, renew their hope in you as they trust you. Come and pray.